This meeting of the Movie Council is now in session. Hello, welcome everybody to the Movie Council podcast. Season one, episode six, Yahtzee. <laughs> no, okay, so what do you guys, okay, what do you think? What do you, yeah, so I'm start. yeah, okay. Um, Be honest. Be honest. Yeah, Not yeah, my favorite. Nope. nope. Okay, AJ. Yeah, that's uh, a big nope. Hard pass. God. All right. Well, so, listen, guys, you got to understand. The thing is, I Googled last week, like, things to do to make your podcast pop, and one of them was a tagline. So I'm trying to work shit out, <laughs> right? I'm working shit out right now. I tried Hey Now. You didn't like it. I tried right. Yahtzee. We're going to find it at some point, all right? Just, all right it's, just not coming, it's just not coming out of the gate strong. That's all. So, should I try it again? Or? No, no. Hey, just, fuck just it. No. Let's, just no, let's go one more. Okay. Come on, we'll we'll Yahtzee! <laughs> Still you not? Know I liked it Still that time. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. All right, so anyways, my name is Tim Sherry, and this is the Movie Council Podcast. I'm your host. I'm also your president and the CEO of the movie council podcast i'm hanging out here tonight with my my three bros my three boys and you know since i didn't say it last week let's just get it out of the way right now my esteemed colleagues i'm so sorry i missed that last week guys you are esteemed we love you and uh, this is gonna be a great show tonight we got some awesome content going um it's always uh it's always gonna be a special show when one of the co-founders is the one that has the content tonight and my my big bro AJ is has got the content tonight. And uh we're gonna go around the room, we're gonna go around the, the panel right now and uh talk to to everybody. We're gonna say hi just to get reacquainted with our millions and millions of people who are listening. Uh DP, do you do you know do you have a count? Is it millions yet or is it thousands? It's uh well it's one point two million. So we're one point two so we're yeah. in the millions now. Yeah, we're millions that's, now. That's that's, yep. that's really that's really, really great. I heard a lot of people are listening in China. Uh, did, did, yeah. did you know that? Interesting. Uh, that's what I hear. But yeah. you know, we can't get the numbers, so we can just assume. Right. Well, that's, that's all we can do is assume. That's what I mean. I, yeah. I, I just kind of figured if China can lie about shit, why can't we? <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Uh, China's listening like crazy right now, motherfucker. All right, sorry. That's, that's Put a long tail on that kite. I apologize. All right. Let's go around the room. And, uh, of course, we're going to start off like we always do with one of the, uh, the other co-founders of the Movie Council. He is the COO, very important member of this, of this cast, of this council. My big bro, and like I always say, an unbelievable movie guy. Andrew Sherry, what's up, gangsta? Hey, um, how you doing? I'm happy to be here tonight. You should be, uh, and very, very excited for uh, tonight's episode. So, um, yes, yeah, I, and and very excited to uh, get into this genre. Yeah. So and to dig in. So happy to be here again for the sixth time. Is this episode? This is six? episode six, baby. All right. Here yes. we go. Happy All to right. be here. Half a dozen. All right, let's uh, let's keep moving around the panel. We're going to go to another one of my big bros. Uh, he is also the man that is most instrumental in starting this podcast and working our social media, really just crushing it all around the all around the realm of everything that is this movie council. And uh, uh, I, I was about to give his old title, but I forgot he got promoted last week. Yes, he is. Uh, he is a producer. He is. Uh, he, he does a lot of our technical stuff, but he is now. Our chief boy toy, just yes, looking sir. sexy AF right now on this meeting. Loving it. My big bro, Dan Sherry. What's up, kid? Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, I always love coming here and doing this. So uh, I just want to, since you said, like I said, I'm the producer and I do our social media. I'll just drop those real quick. You can follow us on uh, 
Twitter and Instagram at Movie Council Pod. Or if you want to send us an email, we are moviecouncilpod at gmail.com. Hit us Absolutely. up. Absolutely. And uh, now I'm going to swing it on down to Charlotte, North Carolina for my boy, my bro, my art director, my security director, my, I don't know, some bullshit about colored pencils or something That's like right. that was, was last week. Whatever it is, I love it. And again, another amazing movie guy, my brother from another mother, Mr. Marky Bondurant. What's up, handsome? Hey, Timmy. Good. Good. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Like Andrew said, number six, I uh, appreciate you guys sticking sticking with me here. And I realized the other day, this is like my bar now, right? So like Friday nights, I have beers and just shoot the shit with you guys. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. since uh, in North Carolina, Charlotte, we can't really go out anywhere. This is where I cut loose. Yeah, that, I'm feeling it Friday. too. I, we, we've talked about that. Like why... This is always great on a Friday night. I'm not going to get into how awful my week was at work. We can talk <laughs> privately. Me, me, Marky and I spoke about it already. It was the week from hell. Uh, so I'm so excited to be here with you guys tonight to do this. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, Andy, Andy's got some great content. Normally at this point, I go over some housekeeping shit, but I don't know. I feel like our shit's been tight lately, bros. Yeah. I don't really think we need a lot of housekeeping this week. Yeah, house is kept, baby. Yeah, baby. I I, I uh, apologized last week for my drunkenness from two weeks ago. But that's going to be uh, an every week thing. So you can just gloss right over that. Right. But it, I, I guess it comes down to level of drunkenness. Uh, <laughs> sure. Two weeks ago, was uh, I was on another level. But uh, I'm okay tonight. And uh, I'm feeling good about this. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, uh, like I said, for anybody who's listening to this for the first time, uh, each week, one of our hosts, one of our council members, one of our esteemed colleagues, they, mm. uh, they pick the, the topic that we do. And this week, it's my, one of my co-founders, AJ, his second time around here. His first time around, we did Paul Thomas Anderson. That was his choice, a director spotlight. Awesome show. He's changing it up tonight. And we're going uh, to be doing something a little different. I'm really excited about it. Uh, something that um, can open our minds a little bit about some old school movies and some, and some genres that uh, maybe we don't normally talk about. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So without further ado, AJ, I'm going to kick it over to you. You tell me uh, what, what the, uh, the theme is this week and talk about what it's all about, what you asked us to do to, in preparation, and uh, just go after it. It's all yours, man. Take it. Thank you. So what I decided to do uh, for my topic was to dig into a genre or subgenre of a genre, if as it were. And I picked two movies that fall into this genre and had all of, uh, had all of you and myself watch them if we hadn't or rewatch them. Um, and so what I did was I picked the genre film noir and I, picked a movie from classic film noir um, times and I picked a film from contemporary uh, noir or neo-noir or retro noir, whatever you want to call it, times. And I had you guys watch them and I watched them. And uh, the two films, just to get it out of the way first before we get into uh, film noir and sort of the origins and et cetera, I picked the 1958 film, A Touch of Evil, the Orson Welles film, and then the 1997 film, L.A. Confidential. So we all watched them. <laughs> Some of us have seen uh, uh, L.A. Confidential a number of times, so um, that was an easy one. 
but Touch of Evil, for those that haven't watched any classic noir, um, or even just very old films, <laughs> can be, yeah. you know, challenging, you know. But um, I, I can't wait to hear what you guys thought of, especially Touch of Evil, but we'll get into that. So what I think we should do is talk a little bit about what film noir is and, you know, and then how it's kind of changed, not changed, but, you know, the what it was and what it is now and how they're similar. And then we'll use the two films to kind of compare and contrast. So film noir began in, I want to say like the early, early to mid forties. It was during world war II. Um, and when it came, when we came out of world war II, then the French got their hands on our, these American films and they coined the phrase, the French critics, some French critics coined the phrase film noir or dark film. And the films themselves are characterized by cynical or anti-type heroes, um, the uh, use of stark lighting, um, use of flashbacks sometimes, femme fatales. And a lot of them are very crime stories taking place in CD back alleys and, 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 you know, um, people with, um, um, questionable scruples <laughs> yeah, yeah. and many of the characters. So the classic noir era was kind of that early forties to they, I've read a different, different places, different, uh, ends of the genre, but I want to say like late fifties, okay. late 1950s. And so once that kind of concluded and I guess TV started becoming more popular and color came into the picture because a lot of these, most of all these classic noir films are in black and white. Right. So when color came into the picture and TV became more popular, it just kind of fizzled out. And then it kind of came back around with more contemporary films in the seventies with um, Chinatown and, the long goodbye and then into the eighties and, and, and with blood simple and some other, um, and then obviously on and on. So basically the old classic noir with things like double indemnity, the big sleep, the Maltese Falcon, like Humphrey Bogart type films, touch of evil out of the past. And then the contemporary noir. And I was reading something today about contemporary noir. And um, there's a lot to talk about with this, a lot to unpack, but, this neo-noir is the term I hear a lot about what the current noir is, but I've also heard the term retro-noir. Mm. So the difference between the two, from what I understand, is neo-noir takes place in a contemporary or current setting, but, okay. but plays with the same themes as the classic noir. And then the retro-noir is a contemporary film that takes place in the era of the classic film noir like Mm -hmm. an la confidential yeah where that takes place in the early 50 early 50s la and so they're 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 similar in that they're contemporary films with the same themes but it's the era that the right one's more of a period piece um so to speak so that's kind of a little bit about noir what it is the neo-noir there's there's so many things that people say are neo-noir and it could be it could be so many films i wrote down a bunch of them a simple plan memento is a great is a great one yeah it's a it's a really great one yeah uh dark the dark night 
Yeah. Blood Simple, like I said, Fargo. Seven. Oh. Holland Drive, Seven. Oh, gone, God. gone Baby, Gone Baby, Gone. Um, the I Man could, Who Wasn't There. So since we're talking about this now, can I, I want to bring one up. I was looking at this today, too. And, you know, seeing like contemporary noir films. And there's this one that was popping up on all like the best lists. And it was only from a few years ago, the uh, Ryan Johnson, you know, a guy who did, I think, a Looper. And he yeah, did Knives a Out. Star Wars movie. And Knives Out, right? Yeah. He has this movie called Brick, which is like, it, it's set in a high school and it's on all the lists of like the best contemporary noir films. Really? Mm. Huh. Brand. Yeah, I've heard I, of it. I had never yeah, heard of it know. until today. And it's like every list has it in the, like the top five. And I was like, I, said, I had never heard it. It's uh, Ryan Johnson's like feature debut. I've heard that's good. So what? Yeah. So I, I definitely got to watch that. Ryan Johnson's kind of a guy that I've been, you know, up and I've liked a lot of his stuff lately. Yeah. yeah. He's arrived, actually. I think he's really good. Yeah, I was going to say he's in it. He's arrived. Yeah. He's yeah. there. Yeah. He's a beast. So I guess the the themes of uh, that I mentioned, along with that sort of the early classic noir, had like, because it was just around World War II and then the end of World War II and people coming home from the war. And there was a lot of like people that were disenfranchised and just, I don't know, cynical and not feel, you know? Bleak. There's a lot in bleak, bleak, very, yeah. that's a great word, bleak. And so, but those themes are touched on in contemporary noir too, similar type things. I mean, I mentioned Memento, but just think about the characters, if we've all seen that film. Um, the hero, yeah. um, the, the, the femme fatale yeah. <laughs> is in it. Yeah. I, you know, I, she I, really I is. <laughs> and it, you've just got to kind of, uh, uh, I guess, you know, keep your mind open to that so those sorts of themes with these darker films and like that's what that's sort of whenever as i was writing these down i'm thinking they all really fall into that yeah yeah i do even, even okay uh i do love that even the dark knight is considered a you know contemporary noir film neo-noir yeah definitely yeah. it's it's very it's one of the darker films you'll ever you'll ever contemporary films you'll ever see yeah, and the light and the, it's a color film, but the lighting is very dark in that movie. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, Gotham is a very dark place. And yeah, AJ, Gotham I, is like the perfect place for a noir film. It's like yeah. set up for noir. It's great. Yeah, and right. AJ, AJ, earlier in the week, I sent you that uh, that dictionary um, description of of film noir because uh, I really believed it. It, enca it encapsulated especially touch of evil and what you were just talking about in that period after world war ii which was the definition was a style or genre of cinematography cinema cinema mm -hmm. oh my god cinematography film marked by a mood of pessimism fatalism and menace if that's yeah. not like the exact description of touch of evil i don't know what is it is just everyone is miserable in that movie right mm -hmm. fa fa fatalism for <laughs> yeah. sure yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's a great that's a great way cool. to describe it yeah so that's a great segue. So I want to talk, I want to get into the, to, and talk a little bit about a touch of evil yeah. um, written and directed by Orson Welles. Funny, funny thing about that. He hadn't directed a movie in Hollywood in like 10 years prior to doing that film. Hmm. And, and put on a thousand pounds. Yeah. <laughs> and he, yeah. And he, and he ate like, he ate the whole donut shop. Oh, so, he's 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 so by the way, did you know, 
he wasn't even supposed to direct that film. Mm-hmm. I, but when they, they signed Charlton Heston on for the role, and Charlton Heston just assumed Orson Welles was the director, and so like they just made him the director because Charlton Heston wanted him to direct. Yeah, and it was, and of course, Orson a very Welles. yeah, and a very typical Welles thing. It was there was a lot of drama on the set too. Yeah, there's a lot of bullshit. <laughs> nice. that he he got pissed at one point where he walked away from the set for a few weeks, and uh, very typical Welles. Did bullshit. you guys watch that Orson Welles? That's why I love him. The commercial outtakes that I sent you. Yes, yeah. I, have, I have. I have seen them before. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's it's, uh, so funny. To our millions of viewers, if you haven't seen it on YouTube, look up Orson Welles champagne commercial outtakes. It is fucking hilarious. He's, <laughs> he's plastered during this commercial film. Yeah, That's trying so to read plastic. through his lines. Yeah, like it is the definition of zero fucks given. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I love that man. <laughs> I, but oh, what a mess of a human being what a brilliant mess of a human being yeah. I, I really <laughs> i really enjoyed him in um in touch of evil because uh like, let's you know, talk like, about that yeah and aj i've told you before i don't see a lot of these older movies unless you send them my way so i know orson wells by name but i don't know him per se like i, I sadly I knew him from that champagne commercial <laughs> and then when i watched the movie i was like oh shit it's this guy and but watching him you know he acts in the movie he plays uh is it a police captain or a police chief that he plays in the movie yeah he's a ca- i think he holds a, he holds yeah, a captain title captain quinlan a, yeah he's a captain, captain quinlan hank quinlan yeah and he does quite well as an actor he also seems he's an excellent actor he also well, seems drunk when he's doing it too but that's his mm-hmm. character he's just yeah. like drunk old not quite washed up i mean you find out that he essentially is but just the decisions that he makes seem like they're fueled by alcohol. You find out that he quit drinking and then he starts drinking later in the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, I don't mean to be jumping ahead too much. Downward AJ, spiral. Want, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. No, no, no. He tells the, he first, he tells the, uh, the, the grandy guy, uh, he says, Oh, I don't drink. And then yeah. they sit in the bar with the drink in front of him. He takes, he sips half the, the shot, you know, whatever the small glass. And then he's like, yeah, come on, just drink up. He goes, I don't, I don't drink. And he looks down the glass. He's already started drinking. Yeah. Yeah. He fell off the wagon just like that. <laughs> yeah. And then starts walking around with a bottle after that. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. all in. Yeah. Yeah. He's completely off the wagon. And so what did you guys? Go he's ahead, a big Marty. dude. I was just going to say, he's a big dude. You see him on screen. You know, Charlton Heston's really tall. Um, but, you know, I, a lot of other people in that film seem to be the uh, stereotypical Tom Cruise height. But uh, Orson Welles is not only round, but he's a he's a big dude. He's tall. Mm-hmm. So getting it actually. So I, that's one of the first things I want to say. One of the things I really liked about this movie was uh, kind of like the camera angles, especially with Quinlan. Every time they shot him, it was from this kind of angle looking up at him, that's making true. him look so big and imposing. Yes. Yeah. And, and then by the end, the shot is looking down on him in the water you know yeah but i i I loved that kind of the framing they use when they're shooting him and even that scene or not that scene well there is one scene in particular that i'm thinking of but uh to add on what you're saying danny a lot of times they show him kind of just like squeaking through a doorway or like Mm -hmm. trying to like squeeze past people like he's taking up so much room and there's that scene where he kills uh grande or grandy as everyone likes to call him and it's in like a an attic of a house. And he's he's leaning his head over 
to like yeah, he has like underneath duck underneath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's moving slow, but he's like lumbering like a giant. So you so, gotta make him like a bruiser. So this, this so the setup is 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 just a crime story sort of setup, right? They do this three minute opening sort mm-hmm. of shot where they're following the car. That was beautiful. Uh, well, actually, what yeah, happens so is one shot. They see someone. It's one shot, one continuous take, and they they show the guy throw the uh, um, the dynamite in the trunk. Then they follow that car along with um, Charlton Heston's character and Janet. Was it? Genuinely. Genuinely. Yeah. Right. Uh, he's playing his wife there. Uh, they're walking down the street and they're like, having a great time. Everyone's out in the streets and the car's rolling along the street here and there being stopped by the cops. So this one continuous take until the car explodes down the road. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. it's, uh, and then it kind of goes from there. And then you, then, then the investigation begins. They bring in Quinlan and um, so you see Orson Welles and he's got this reputation that he's built up over the years mm-hmm. and he solves all his cases and he, yeah. you know, he, he always finds the guy. Right. And, and that's sort of, that's something that's hammered home a lot. And so he begins investigating, but since Charlton Heston, who played his character plays this, it sounds to me like sort of like a, uh, a government. Um, he's a Mexican narcotics agent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But first of all, right. Charlton Heston plays a Mexican. He's doing yeah. brown face. That, that's right. one of my so, talking so, points, so, actually. Right. He's yeah. a narcotics guy, right? So he's a, but, yeah. he's a, he's a right. So, <laughs> like, have you ever, have you ever actually in your life ever seen a less looking Mexican guy than Dude. Charlton Heston? Mexican, like, if, like, if like all of makeup on and like, what the fuck? No if accent, by the way. He's Mexican. He has no accent. Yeah. But, but I guess, just, I get, but I guess the setup is is interesting because it's a Mexican border town. And the car crosses over the border right, right before it, it blows up. And, and so then Quinlan's, it's his case. But, you know, Charlton Hess's character's, uh, you know, sticking his nose in it. And Quinlan hates it. He hates yeah. it. And he immediately hates this guy, uh, Vargas, this is Charlton Hess's character. Um, <laughs> and he just, hate, he just can't, he wants his nose out of it because he knows if he digs too deep, he's going to figure out, all the shit that Quinlan's done in this, you know, with this case and other cases. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, he wants none of that. So, and then it kind of goes from there and you just find out the depths to which Quinlan's care, Quinlan will go yeah. to, to, to not, to, to not allow, to be right, to not allow people to, to find keep out his reputation, him, to keep his reputation. Yeah. And I really loved it. <laughs> it was, yeah. It, it, there were times where it was like, it almost felt like it was being. It was. Tr- they were trying to be funny at times. There was some. Sure. I don't know. There was some. There was some element to that where it was a little like some of the stuff was a little preposterous, and, mm-hmm. and the characters were a little like over the top in some well, way sometimes. Like the motel like the, manager, like the way the, the guy was man. sneaking. Why the way the guy was sneaking around like following Heston like one of the, mm-hmm. the Grandi boys, and then he throws the acid at him and the yeah. whole thing. Hey, like, yeah, <laughs> like very like. Yeah, the, the it almost, it almost the right like there, there were certain parts that almost sounded uh, that looked almost like 
you could be watching it on Broadway. Like it was overly, it was like yeah. overly dramatic. Especially yes. that scene you were talking about. That guy lurking around like a like a fucking <laughs> asshole in the back, and he's high, like he's not even hiding really. Yeah, and you can see his shadow, and it's like like you can see his shadow in the camera, and it's like, isn't this guy a fucking detective? Like he doesn't know someone's following him right now. Like mm-hmm. right, what like what the hell is going on? But that was then, fu- that was funny. That particular scene you talked about because you see the huge set shadow run across the wall right yeah. next to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Vargas is totally oblivious to this. A law, a, a lawman, <laughs> completely oblivious to this thing. This dude is not even hiding. Like it's just like the, there were certain things like that that made it very almost um, Broadway-like to me. Like I was watching it like take place on a stage. Well, um, and that to me, a lot of that stuff kind of seemed uh, like stereotypical, for lack of a better word, old-timey movie. Like yeah, it's very over dramatic. Just hopping around, like over, you know, throwing really the punches. Stylized. So, yeah, yeah, over style, like it's just silly. Almost. Very much I mean, like now it is. Yeah, very much like 50s style of, you know, yeah, like yeah. that whole, like, you'll never get me, you see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, a little too, that, that's one of my. Like Edward G. Robinson. Yeah, yeah, a little too much of that. And like there was that one kid when they're at that, uh, at the motel and like the young toughs are there. And there's this one kid in the background that just, He's, he's, up. he's well. He's hopped up on something. Like yeah, yeah, and it was clearly just, it was so ridiculous. There's but, a lot of things I love about that movie. Like yeah, the drug the drug thing being one of it. Like at one point they say uh, reefer stubs. Yeah. We found some we found, <laughs> we found some reefer stubs in the room, and she she reeked of it. And then like Danny was just saying that guy that's bouncing around. Like what is he hopped up on? Like I I guess it could be coke, but like you know that's before they even really. Yeah, I think it was coke because they talked about like, remember when, when the, his wife, Janelle, she's having the, the conversation through the wall in the other to the other room with the yeah. whoever that with the the girls who were in the other room. They talked about mainlining. It's not a coke yeah. term. Yeah. Were they even yeah. using that, that heroin? Back then, though? It, heroin too. Yeah. Heroin, yeah, yeah. heroin thought, too. Okay. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. In the movie, I thought it was <laughs> more around like yeah heroin. But I love also back then, and also when we get to LA Confidential, uh, when they talk about reefer, it, they're talking about it as a felony offense. I mean, mm. that it wasn't that long ago when it, yeah. it still was. You Boston they, boys are living in the future. Yeah. But, so so th- this film does tick off like some of these themes we're talking about, right? The mm-hmm. the the morals, like the immoral. Um, you know, actions of, of, of some of the characters. There's no femme fatale really in it, so you don't get that. But yeah, certainly, I have a question about that. Certainly, all the lighting and the like. Uh, that, Dan was saying the framing of some of the shots were very yeah. noirish, and their their use of shadows and Sh- lighting yes. was fucking amazing. I love the like those looks, and you know, especially like with the slats. Come, the light coming through the window. They did a lot in uh, L.A. Confidential as well, too, especially like that final scene. Mm-hmm. What does femme fatale actually mean? Does that mean lady death? Did anyone look that up? I've never that looked that French up, word? but that, that, that's a French that word. I Latin? Yeah. I'm on it. I'm on it right now. It's, yeah, lady death or something to that effect, yeah. So if it's... The, if it's er- like- the very early noir films had a lot of femme fatales. It was like these guys being um roped Lure. into the, these situations by these you know okay. beautiful sexy women they're just so, they're so they're so like 
smitten with them that they'll do anything they say and they just get rope like double indemnity if you guys have never seen it and you like you like touch of evil see double indemnity it's a classic classic okay. noir tropes you got you you boys ready it's uh an attractive and seductive woman especially one who will ultimately bring disaster to a man who becomes involved with her that's a femme fatale okay right but what that's, is fatale, fatale means death right and yeah whatever language yeah, and eventually will kill you hanging out with these bitches that like that's yeah. the, <laughs> that's, uh, the latin so double, double indemnity yeah. was barbara stanwick was the femme fatale fred mcmurray was this uh insurance salesman and she ropes him into the scheme to uh um to to get kill her husband and take the take the insurance money classic <laughs> and so yeah so and he falls for it he's just like so she's so beguiling and he just he can't help himself he's just like nice. and she she knows it too you know and that's the thing about AJ, uh, that particular trope I, I love i love that aj can i can i get a couple minutes on this mark yeah. no. mark oh, sorry i was raising my hand because i was trying to uh balance my beer Okay. Um, you ever watch Judge Judy, Marky, and, and and like the person who's sitting there, the person who's, uh, who, who, who the, it, yeah. the witness is always kind of raising, and she screams, "Put your hand down!" I almost just did that right now. <laughs> I would. I'm sorry. I would never do that to you. I'm sorry. My, my apologies. AJ, real quick. Um, okay, so first off, I just want to say. I'm not jerking off over this movie like you guys are. Just, just so you know, I, I, I didn't. Okay. I, no, I didn't, I'm going with you, yeah, Tim. Yeah, I, I didn't. There's I parts didn't, of it I like and parts of it I thought were dumb. But yeah, they're like, like for instance, like we were talking about, like Charlton Heston being a Mexican. Yeah, if, I've if, got some if, talking if, points on I that. I think the yeah. next time I saw something that bad was like Robert Loja playing a Cuban in Scarface. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like it's just like, they, like uh, painted him orange. <laughs> yeah, that was a perfect movie, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Dude, Scarface and, sucks, and, and another, I, I, yeah, that movie's terrible. But uh, another, another, uh, another thing about that movie that uh, it's it's something they could only get away with out in the fifties. It was openly racist towards Mexicans. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh, Just like, God, they, weren't yeah, even, yeah. they weren't even trying to hide it. Like I yeah. mean, there was the shit that was flying out of Orson Welles' mouth towards towards Vargas. And that's another thing. I didn't. I, I like Orson Welles. Is, Orson Welles is a brilliant filmmaker he's a brilliant actor i didn't love him in this movie like he was just he was just like he was insufferable at times and uh like there, there were in fact it, it almost brought me back to our conversation about uncut gems is how much i hated almost everyone in this fucking movie like other than like i would say the mvp of the movie was clearly janet lee's tits oh, she's I, mean, a I mean that like she is a smoke show i mean like that that was that was amazing um, Timmy, could she get it oh <laughs> janet lee <laughs> She's dead, but she can still get it. But oh, uh, oh she's, yeah, she's she is truly beautiful. Stark. I gotta say, keep in mind this was like pre tons of plastic surgery time too. Oh, so she was she just, was just yeah, naturally a beautiful, gorgeous. beautiful yeah. woman. Yeah. So, so, can, so can I, AJ, one more thing, and I swear, I swear, I'll, I'll give it back to you. But this is something I have to touch on because when I watched the movie again, I I, I didn't love it, but then I took a night to sleep on it. And then I did some research about it. And there was something about it, this research that I found that I found actually really, really brilliant in Wells's filmmaking that I never thought of when I watched it. Um, have you guys, if you've done any research on it, have you seen the, um, the idea about Spanish bullfighting and what 
the so you haven't seen that at all so i read a couple of different articles about basically what what vargas was doing charlton heston's character throughout that movie it was a long protracted spanish bullfight against quinlan i think that's also why they tried to make him look so goddamn big and if you look at like matadors and what they do in spanish bullfighting very very early on they act very innocent oh i'm not really here i'm not doing anything i'm just you know i'm just and vargas was saying that over and over again i'm just here as a guest yeah i'm just an observer i'm not here for anything but he slowly but surely weakened quinlan stabbed him in the shoulders metaphorically over and over again weakened him to the point where he even fucking started drinking again because he just got inside his head and he just warmed down and warmed down and warmed down in front of a giant groups of people until eventually Quinlan had absolutely no choice, but just sabotage himself at the end because he was just beaten down and completely just destroyed by this guy. And this, this strategy that he had come up with and us as the viewer, we were sitting there being like, Oh, he's just a nice fucking narcotics agent who doesn't want to do it. No, he took us for the goddamn ride too. He yeah. was slowly manipulating him throughout the entire movie and then put him out of his fucking misery. Granted, it was Menzies that shot him, but he really put him in that position. And they just absolutely gave him no choice but sabotage himself in the end because he was all out of he, – he fired all his bullets. He was done. He had nothing left. I thought that was a really, really brilliant like that's metaphor that I, that I found um, when, I, when I was researching. I thought that's exactly what – and when you know how brilliant Wells is, you have to think that's the path he was going down in this movie, especially considering much. the fact that Vargas was playing a Mexican and this was a <laughs> Spanish bullfight, you know? Yeah, yeah. And just as a side note, by the way, like if you are a matador uh, in any of these countries and you do that to bulls, you can go suck a dick. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. And like when they do the, the, the running of the bulls in Pamplona and you get your head stepped on and die, d- good. You had a coming. Good. Yeah. yeah, right. I'm, I'm fine with that. But, I, but I'm saying like if that's just – if that's what he, Wells actually was going for and what he was doing, I thought that was really brilliant. And I thought that's how the film played out. And that, that, that's a – thank you for bringing that up. That's amazing. So – and that sort of reminds me of that, that final scene and they're walking across that bridge and, and he hears the echo and he's just, he's slowly being driven insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Old, he made him nuts. Yeah. He made him and he crazy. Did it in, he did it. He was stylish about it. He yeah. was in style. Like he didn't hit a fucking hair. Didn't move off that guy's head. The entire no. goddamn movie. He stylishly broke him down mm-hmm. for, yeah. for an hour and 40 minutes. It was really yeah. when Quinlan just looked insane, standing on a bridge, screaming out Vargas. He looked like an insane person. Yeah. I think what? the echo, the, uh, the, 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 uh, when he was under the bridge and he could hear himself talking, yeah. Yeah, I think he was, it was driving him even more insane. He yeah, drove him to that point physically and mentally, broke yeah. him down throughout the entire movie under this guise that he was just a nice, innocent guy that's not doing anything wrong. He's just there for justice. And that is what a fucking matador does in, in these giant coliseums where they watch this shit go down. I thought that was exactly what the movie was. That's, That's fucking brilliant. genius. Yeah, yeah. wow. I, I didn't think of that. I, awesome. I, I enjoyed the movie um, as much as one can at uh, my age in a movie that old. But Timmy, I think you put it better than I would have. You know, I didn't dig that deep into it. Um, I did very much enjoy the opening shot. As soon as that started, ah. 
that follow cam, I knew that was something special. I was like, uh, this feels like the first time this has ever been done. Like this yeah. is like really special. You know, pe um, people stole a lot of stuff from Orson Welles. Oh, for sure. Years. Just he's so brilliant, such a brilliant filmmaker. Just and I could I could feel it and see it as it was going down. And uh, touching back on the film noir characteristics the lighting being one of them that was another thing i really enjoyed about the film is the stark contrasting and the lighting and the use of shadows sometimes yeah, yes, it was uh so over the top that it would cast a shadow in an unnatural place like because you could tell that the light was on the ground it was hidden it was behind like a dresser or something and it was like shining up at their face and you could see the the shadow on the ceiling and it was inside of a room during the daytime and like that wouldn't be there and it was but still, like the, the and like uh, Danny mentioned, like the, the slats, like the shades, the light coming through, and like that to me is almost uh, such a stereotype of that type of movie where yes. someone is longingly thinking deeply, looking out a window, and there's this like the shade, the shadow of the shades are on their eyes, and they got this faraway look, and they're narrating to themselves of right. It's trying happen. to evoke a particular mood, you know. Yeah. And, and and that 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 darkness and the yeah the struggle and the pessimism dark, and the good yeah evil yeah mm -hmm. and, and just the like the fatalism that like Tim was saying that and the definition and just the pessimism yeah and I, I the like way they work with yeah. light it was a big part of that the fatalism sure. part too I really liked the the theme of that being that Quinlan went so crazy because you know he always talks about his hunches and by hunches he means the people I framed over and over again. Yeah, his game you know leg. I mean? But yeah, right. The, oh, the, oh, the mean, like when you broke the law? like Yeah, yeah. when you planted the two sticks of dynamite in the empty box. But that's the yeah. thing. It turned, out, it turned out he didn't have to do that. Yeah, the that right. up, he was right. That ended or, up being the case that he was actually right about that drove him fucking bananas. I wanted, like was, I wanted to talk about that. That was a beautiful part of it. I wanted to talk about that because that's the very end of the film after uh, Quinlan has the shootout with uh, his old or his partner, um, not Meeks. What's the guy's Menzies. name? Menzies. Menzies. Meeks is from Meeks, Meeks is in the next film. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he has a shootout, the two die, and then uh, Charlton Heston, Spanish Charlton Heston, rides off into the sunset with the broad, and the guy tells him, like, the guy confessed. The Mexican confessed. It was him all along. So that, to me, though, it I, didn't, I couldn't tell if the that character the mexican truly was the culprit of the of the dynamite bombing of the car in the beginning of the film or if he just uh, ended up uh if they ended up getting him to uh, you know beat a confession out of him kind of thing i think he was the you know guilty party i just, I think just he's guilty I, I think that's just it, it, the it motive works. Made, it, it yeah. works yeah the motive it made works. sense the motive made sense and i think that's why it was because like i said it was one of the first, one of the few like murder suspects that he framed. They clearly framed, uh -huh. but didn't have to because he actually was right. the killer. So he was a. That's just what he does: frames people, right? <laughs> and, and he, he, B, he always gets his guy. Yeah, <laughs> he always gets his guy. Always Game leg, does baby. That. Game so, leg, right, baby. So, <laughs> so he's always going to do that, whether whether he knows for sure or not. But even though he didn't have to, he, that was always going to happen. He was, okay. always, he was, he was always going to go to that point, right? Like he, was, but, he was always going to plant the evidence. He was always going to, in every scenario. So that's why he had such the rep, such the reputation that he had. 
when the I understand that, but when the film ended and they said that the Mexican guy confessed to the crime, I still wasn't totally convinced that he the Mexican okay. guy truly did it, or if they were just able to, you know, get a false confession out of him. Um, I don't know. I, get my I like the irony better. Yeah, yeah, I like the irony better with the way you guys are telling the story. Definitely. <laughs> I think that's how Wells would have thought it. You know, it went down yeah. too. Yeah. Also, so let's move on. Let's well, actually, on one thing. Wait, I've got a couple I, more things about Charlton Heston. <laughs> oh, sure, sure, sure. Go ahead. Loves his, guns. Loves his, guns. His uh, his Spanish Huge in fan. that movie was hilarious because if if you noticed. Every time that he spoke Spanish, his face, it was either, uh, the camera was either at the back of his head and he was speaking Spanish out loud and you couldn't see his mouth or when the camera was on his face and he was speaking Spanish, it was so quiet that you couldn't understand what he was saying. He was just mumbling. The motherfucker learned two words of Spanish for that movie. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't learn any of those lines. <laughs> nope. Can I say um, one, one thing? Oh, yeah. sorry, Mark, you keep going. No, no, no. I was, uh, go ahead, because there was one other thing I wanted to say about Charlton Heston, but it slipped in my mind. Go ahead. Uh, it was such a, another theme in the movie that it was so, which is so 50s, was this like borderline anti feminist thing going on. Because yeah. you guys realize that every time Vargas left his wife, her life just went to shit. Like every <laughs> time he leaves her, like then Grandy gets her one time, then there's that fucking half wit at the hotel, yeah. the, the overnight moron, and then the that guy was over the top too. Oh, yeah, he, he was sucked. one of those over the top. I, I wanted him to die. But like every time that he left her, she just, oh my God, you know, I'm a woman. I can't handle, I'm going to make terrible decisions because I'm on my own. And that went on the whole fucking movie. Yeah. Her life was miserable until the very end. So I think that's just one of those things. Like you could, I don't think you could get away with that shit in 2020. No. Or yeah, like you know why, openly you know racist why, against Mexicans. I mean, you know why I was yeah. miserable to the very, because at the very end, he came back and jumped in the car and they drove away. That's what yeah. I mean. Back, like he had to come save her. <laughs> had to come save her or she was going to live a life of just miserable, miserable. And, uh, like, which, when she makes it to that motel in, uh, in America, she doesn't do anything. She just like gets there and she's like, I need to sleep. And she's sleeping for like three days. <laughs> Yeah, and then like he, he calls her and she's like, I don't know what to do. And like, yeah, like, yeah you could not pull that shit off in 2020. No. People are like, oh, God, there'll be like, <laughs> there'll be like fucking whiffle broads outside of every, like the movie studio just with picket signs screaming. Like you couldn't do that right now. And uh, like, but that, that's the thing. Every time he left her, it was just like, oh, well, I guess my life is going to fall apart now because I don't have this strong mm. man around me. It was, just, it, it was just so ridiculous. It was yeah. just, that's one of the things Whiffle I hated about the movie. Drugs. Yeah, it was just, yeah, whiffle, you know, with the fucking all men should die thing, you know, like all that shit, you know. But like, like, like you're not going to get away with that now. TP, don't talk. What are you talking? Why? What? Oh. <laughs> Term makes you know, me laugh. With the no bras and the hairy armpits, yeah. and they're like, <laughs> Kill all men. Like, you know that shit. You <laughs> live near the city. You know that shit that goes on. Um, no, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like... It, it, the, one it, thing, like the only other thing I wanted to say about Charlton Heston was uh, his American accent as, an, as a Mexican. Like, there was, he was doing brownface in a black and white film. You could tell that they put a little <laughs> bit of color on him. Yeah, it's like all of... You know, my first point, he didn't learn Spanish. He was just whispering it the whole time. At one point, he picks up the phone. He goes, see... And that's all he said. <laughs> but 
<laughs> he's got an American accent. The entire, he says C with an American accent. Oh yeah, I like you could they, they could have like like taken a month and like just like briefed him a little bit on Spanish, just like a yeah. little. All in all, I did off. like the film a lot. You know, I, AJ, I appreciate you uh, sending it my way. It's like I said, that opening shot I knew was something special as soon as it started. There was a lot of things as I was watching the yeah. movie. I could it's tell great that, had shot. Been, that had been copied throughout the years. Definitely, definitely, def- he was definitely an innovator in filmmaking. No, no people co- people no copied a lot of his stuff. So DP. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. One one last thing. A, a fun little trivia about that. Uh, that first shot, the tracking shot, it took them all day to get it right. Like it was the sure. very last take they had. The, you can actually see the sun coming up a little bit on the horizon. It was their last chance to get it. And it was mostly because the actor that plays that customs agent kept blowing his line. Wow. And so they do the whole shot and they'd get to him and like he'd forget end. his line. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it was yeah. to the point where Orson Welles just told him, like, this is the last one. We got to get it. When we get to you, if you forget your line, just move your lips and we'll dub it in later. I do <laughs> not want to hear you say the words, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Wells. <laughs> oh, shit. He must have been pissed. <laughs> yeah. But can you imagine, that, like, that whole shot, they get all the way to him and he fucks yeah. it up and they got to start all over. It's a great shot. It's a yeah, real, it's, it's a great shot. Yeah. So, so, well Dan, conceived, just a great idea. Did uh, did he did they get it in that shot? Yeah, or did, they, they, he got it on that last take. Okay, yeah. I didn't know if he was just like ma 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 ma, and they just <laughs> put his lines in. Yeah. So. All right. Thank you for that. Yeah. So, I don't know if you guys want to give a rating for this or not before we sure. move on, but we sure. we can move on. It's always it's always huge. Yeah. Should we? Should there be a side or uh, an asterisk? to like how old it is for a rating or do you just want to do it uh the normal one out of five no uh, I yeah mean, i'm gonna I, bake I, that I, into I, mine you know you know what you can bake it into yours if you want sure. to mark you why don't you give me your rating okay um with keeping it in my oh, man yeah it's because it it did spawn so many ideas right and it and it, it was at the beginning of a genre and it was talking at, about tonight what was that it was at the. It, it was sort of like at the end of the classic oh film, you're right 1958 film noir genre 58 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It sort of closed out the genre in a way. Okay. That particular, um, yeah. But Orson Welles as a director, you know, <clears throat> watching that movie, you could tell how much he's been emulated and copied over the years. Um, and watching Charlton Heston play Brownface, seeing Orson Welles be drunk while he's making his own movie, that was a good 3.75. Nice. Yeah. Dan? Uh, well, like pure enjoyment-wise... I'd give it like just under a three, but because of what it is, it's yeah, a, a good three and a quarter, three and a half for me too. But like I said, enjoyment wise, it was just all right. But I do appreciate, you know, what it did for. It paved the way so. for a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, I'd give it a good three and a quarter. TW? Um, like I said, while viewing it, uh, it wasn't, Okay, AJ, I'm not going to lie. About 30 minutes into the movie, I'm like, I don't know if I can fucking do this. <laughs> like, it was, it was like, I, I, I seriously, I was getting frustrated. But then it's I hit about the 45-minute point, Marky. <laughs> uh, but the 45-minute point, I went, okay, all right, okay, I'm in, I'm in. It, 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 was, it, it took me a while. 
Um, but the, like I said, there are some things that I can't ignore, uh, like we were talking about. I don't know. I think I think the uh, Charlton Heston's character as a Mexican was was really fucking lazy. The whole thing was lazy. Not that he was or his acting or anything. Um, but my deep times, di- yeah. But my deep dive into the movie afterwards and all the themes that I found was really really entertaining and uh, really engrossing for me. So um, I'm I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable at at three and a half. I'm comfortable at three and a half. Nice. Yeah. What nice. about you, AJ? Well. I love the genre in general. Yeah, I do. And I love Orson Welles. I really, I think he was just a genius. Um, big fan. Um, I don't know that it's the best that the genre had to offer, but I'm with Mark. I'm around a 3.75 for a touch of evil. Good, AJ. Good. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I, th- I thought, uh, Wells' performance was great. Like I just, I enjoyed his performance a lot. Aston was decent, but to, to TW's point, a lot of laziness in the whole. <laughs> I yeah. know they want to get a star play, and but he had to be a Mexican. It's like, you know, that was also... there. Was there a quote unquote Mexican star at the time they could have yeah. like? Right? But, no, it was Charlton Heston. So they grabbed Charlton Heston, and and they they made do. But to to Tim to Tim's point about. Um, the themes and then the the thing the thing about the bolt the the matador and everything I thought it was just it was just genius uh, the way they played it and I don't know it's not like I said not the best classic film noir has to offer but pretty good pretty pretty pretty, pretty good <laughs> but a lot of ethnicities back in the day uh, you know that may have been like a turning point 1958 where they actually started using real minorities ethnicities for the roles right i know that sadly uh, even a little later than that i'm sure yeah yeah the yeah. Uh, the original last of the mohicans you know with uh, the movie about the the indians those all those were all white dudes that were do- that played that and it was a black and white film so I don't know. I, I think there was a lot of that at that time. They probably didn't think twice about it. They're just like, "Yeah, Charlton Heston will throw a little bit of brown makeup on him. It's black and white. Fuck it." <laughs> it really that's, that's exactly what the thinking oh. was. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so let's move 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 past Touch of Evil. I think um, we let's all get agree into it's the in the shit. It's in Woo! it's in the three point something. So um, let's move on to L.A. Confidential. Yes. It's a 1997 film. Mm. Um, starring Russell Crowe, Guy Pierce, Kevin Spacey, Kim Basinger, who won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who was the? Uh, oh, I can't remember James his name. James Cromwell. That's yeah, the name. police detective. Frank he was Reynolds great. Is in it. <laughs> Dude, Cromwell was awesome. Yes. So he was. He was great. So let's talk about Danny DeVito. LA Confidential. Oh yeah, Danny, Danny DeVito. DeVito. Frank yes. Reynolds too. So, dude, can, can Frank I, Reynolds, yes. real quick. So, oh no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Andy. So, L.A. Confidential, I guess, is what you would call contemporary noir, neo noir. But I, but I, I, I really like this term, retro noir. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a, con- it's a contemporary noir, um, in it taking place in the time period of like classic film noir, 1953, yeah. I think it was. LA, yeah. but 
but all those themes kind of carry through in that film. Um, and I, and I found myself, I watched it again today and I just, I, I loved it even more than the last time I saw it. I just, I think I, I find more things about the film that I love when I see it again. Like, I just think it's one of those films that just, it, it's endlessly entertaining in my eyes. I just, I, I enjoyed that. The, it's, it's the setup is, is, you know, 1950s LA, um, police corruption, uh, there's there's a call girl service where this guy's uh, uh, recruiting women and then uh, doing a, a plastic surgery to make them look like <laughs> like uh, movie stars and yeah All right. he's got Fine. this whole rack and there's a lot there's a lot going on with this movie and the and centers around these three cops that are just they have a different they they have a different way of going about their business Kevin Spacey's the uh, the one the the, the uh, cop for the stars Hollywood Jam. Um, yeah, Hollywood Jack, and then um, uh, Guy Pierce is his cop is the, the the guy on the rise that that's uh, a lot of ambition, and then Russell Crowe's cop is that brute, more thug. brute guy, thug, hard yeah, yeah. hard nosed guy, yeah. But incredibly uh, well shot film too. Uh, I think you mentioned TP that the oh, was it Marky the lighting. Uh, in the final scene there uh, they mm-hmm. just did a great job with lighting and in contrast to classic film noir it's a film that takes place a lot during the daytime it's a brighter yeah. film it's a more colorful film it's uh it's hollywood you know so what you guys you guys have all seen la confidential more oh, yeah. than once more oh. than once talk to me about la confidential who wants to go first I, you know, I'll, I'll say a couple things I tr- really loved about it was um, it, it's James Cromwell, I thought was amazing in this movie. He does something that I found so impressive where he has like not quite an Irish accent. He's got the accent of someone whose like parents were Irish and he was right. born in this country. Yeah. He's got that very hint of Call, calls, accent, people, calls people not, lad. Yeah, but not boyo. actually an Irish accent. A boyo, yeah. <laughs> and like how he pulls that off is like it's hard enough just to do an Irish accent, let alone like a half an Irish accent or how the fuck he pulls it like, off. I was thinking right, about like, the same like thing. a muddled awesome. like a muddled one. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Not to hijack you, Danny, but as I was watching that, I kept thinking that, like, is he trying to do an Irish accent? And then as the film went on, I'm like, he's not trying. He's doing a very subtle, like, used to have an Irish accent. Yeah, exactly. And that's when he started, like, I started realizing he was throwing in boyo every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Or lad. The, yeah, and by the end of the film, it became like the the kind of like more agitated he got, like, because when he's speaking in front of his officers at the podium he's kind of like more straightforward and then yeah. when he's more casual uh with hollywood jack and then later in the film at the shootout yeah, you can it hear it out like, a little it, more is, is that, exactly yeah so one of the other things that i try i'm trying to sort of um take la confidential and compare it to classic noir and some of classic noir there's a little like rainy really rainy scenes it's dark in some of these films and there's they put that into LA Confidential. They tried to put in some of these elements, yeah. so you knew. So it really played into classic noir, like the scene where uh, uh, where Bud, uh, Bud White is. He comes back to confront 
uh, what's her name? Kim Basinger's character. Yeah. And it's pouring rain and he's and getting drenched. And yeah. So they played up to those elements and those themes of classic noir. And um, I read something about it that the director, um, even though it was a classic noir feel, he didn't want them wearing uh, the fedoras, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah, is yeah. very classic noir because yeah. it thought it'd be mm-hmm. too distracting. <laughs> Makes sense. So they eliminated the fedoras. And that was 1950s LA. You would think you'd be seeing guys all over the place wearing sure. those, those hats, but they weren't. And that was a, a that was a, an intentional omission on the I, director's I, part. I did like how uh, the suits that they're wearing are very time appropriate. Like yep. the, the high-waisted pants, the very boxy pant legs, the tie yep, the, the that tweed. is like very wide, but like barely touches the belt. Um, yep. I've noticed in some other movies, the, the name of the film escapes me. This might even be considered a neo-noir. It had Josh Brolin, Ryan Gosling. It was like a, another like cop, uh, gangster. Gangster like, Squad or something like that's that? That's it. Yeah, yeah. Gangster Squad. And I yeah. feel like, if I remember correctly, maybe I'm mistaken, but I feel like they had their suits in that movie more modern and stylish. I might be remembering it wrong, but I liked how AJ, you're right. Besides the fedoras, everything else about the, the wardrobe was spot on. The mm-hmm. cars, like some scenes in that film, uh, LA Confidential, they had some really wide shots of the street and you could see like 15, 20 cars deep and they were all spot on for the year. And that was beautiful. Yeah, and somehow yeah. it didn't win any Academy Awards because Titanic won them all. <laughs> Oh, no, it won, it won a Best Supporting won, Actress and, two. Uh, okay. and for, Best Adapted Screenplay. Yep. Yeah. But like Which, the well cinematography, costume design, it was nominated for like nine of them and didn't, yeah. and it just won those two because of stupid yeah, yeah. Titanic. Well, it's a little yeah. unfair. You know, we can, we can talk about the atrocity all sometimes, day long, but that was it's a fantastic film. Sometimes life is not fair. Titanic yeah. comes out the year you make a movie. So, so uh, AJ, I want to let everybody, let everybody go a little bit because I, and I'll, I'll try to keep it as brief as possible, but LA Confidential is literally one of my favorite movies of all time. And um, I remember seeing it. It was 97. I, w- I was a teenager. I remember seeing it in the theater um, and just being blown away. And one of the things about noir that seems to be a theme, a common theme is noir is dark. Yeah. It, it, most of these noir movies are fucking dark. And that movie... It's in the name. In the right, right, exactly. But in that movie, the out of the gates, out of the first, I, I, I can't remember how long, but it's a great movie. Things are going good. You know, they're they're laying down, they're laying down the the the, the, the given the lay of the land. You're learning the characters, mm-hmm. but from the minute they walk into the night owl, and have that horrific, absolutely horrific multiple murder situation that movie steps up from being like this kind of like oh this is like a fun or like a an interesting detective movie into a very very dark deep and just really mysterious movie like sinister too yeah yeah, it goes dark 
quick. Yeah. And uh, they, yeah. And then when they they you know breaking down that crime. And I will say, my favorite person in this movie, as much as I I thought um, that Russell Crowe was great, it was really his breakout performance. He he had done like the Quick and the Dead. He was in Romper Stopper, which remember AJ you and I watched like, like yeah. That was kind of under the radar. He was yeah. young at the time, but this was his. This this is the movie that made Russell Crowe and his Bud White. He was fucking great. Yeah. But Guy Pierce for me in this movie. Not only was he amazing, but his character, I've never in a movie seen a character that I despised so much in the first like 40 minutes of the movie and loved so much when it was over. He was such a little cunt in the beginning. You know, like the whole thing with Bloody Christmas when they beat up all the Mexicans. And again, back to the Mexicans. Yeah. They beat up the Mexicans. That, like, again, a, lot of par- like, a lot of parallels were touching. A lot of they really yeah. just beating up, the kicking the shit out of Mexicans over and over again. Um, and like that, that whole thing. But when he comes full circle and then the whole thing with Rolo Tomasi, for me, is just one of the most brilliant uh, features in a movie I've ever seen. Like this idea that this, that this character, this, this, this horrible person that he created in his mind and only told one person about was able to bring the whole story together to an unbelievable conclusion. Yeah. It was yeah. so fucking brilliant. Yeah. Uh, you can see Perfect. why why it did. Like they had no choice but give the screenplay the 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 Oscar because that was absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will also say one other thing: the director of the movie was this guy Curtis Hansen, who's dead now. And yeah. uh, after oh. that, the only movie he really did that anybody really knew about was Eight Mile. Yeah, the fuck? Huh. L.A. Confidential. Then Eight Mile. Kidding me? That's huh? so weird. Bizarre. Such a, such a brilliant film. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, he died. He died at 71 of natural causes. That seems odd to me, but uh, that's, that's, what, that's what Wiki says. But yeah, Rolo Tomasi, the Rolo Tomasi thing for me, I remember seeing that movie again as a really, really young man. And then when, uh, when Kevin Spacey utters that as he's dying, Rolo mm-hmm. Tomasi and James Cromwell, who is the, clearly the mastermind from the very beginning, brings that forward. And you see the look on Guy Pierce's face when he says it to him. I was like, Oh my God, that was so brilliant! What a yeah. what a bit of storytelling that was. Which, by the way, what the fuck happened to Guy Pierce after that? He did that. He did Memento, and then oh, he's what? been in like, loads of shit. Yeah, but like you nothing think good. He was right? going to be a huge star after. Oh, like I thought yeah. he was going to be the next. You're right. As far as thing. that goes, because I've seen him in a lot of things that I've really enjoyed. Yeah. But you're he's right. Like as Billy far Zane. as uh... <laughs> yeah, well, like I don't Billy know Zane that. was supposed to be the next big thing, and then just disappeared. He was the shit and... in Phantoms, yo. <laughs> so but um guy pierce have you ever seen the uh australian film animal kingdom he yes was fantastic uh, in that yes animal um, kingdom's awesome i've seen, seen that i've seen the new the american tv series but i've seen that too well, it's actually pretty good that's dog shit compared <laughs> to the movie i haven't seen yes. the movie but the there tv is show's great. pretty good um guy pierce is also in this movie called rover which is a post-apocalyptic again australian movie that one's really good um but no, you're right. Because then he was in like uh, Time Machine, that adaptation of. The, I actually uh, liked that movie. Classic. I don't know why. Yeah. I knew it was terrible, yeah. but I liked it. No, I, I, liked I, it yeah, I was going to say, TW is a huge fan of Time Machine. Yeah. I was. And, uh, there was something about it that, that really struck me. I don't, I don't know why. So I wanted to draw a quick parallel between uh, Quinlan and then, uh, was it uh, Dudley Smith? Was that the Cromwell's yeah. character? Yes. Yes. So they both had that. Um, 
their past coming back to kind of haunt them, right? Like, yeah, and they both and, did the and, same and, tactic of uh, framing right. people. Framing people, right? So it, it's it's just I thought that was an interesting um, comparison the two of them, those positions where they had all that power and yeah. they abused it in such a such a um, crazy way. Like, well, just, there are there's a, there are a lot of parallels between these two characters, right? I mean, I think. Uh, uh, Orson Welles' character, you kind of get the idea earlier on that he's what he's doing. Um, but it, both of them in both films, they kind of ride that wave of still being this uh, well respected, top of their game person. And then it right. all comes crashing down on top of them. And the other um, thing I wanted to say. Um... Tim was you know that director didn't do much after that eight mile but the actors that he got for this particular film oh but oh my God. they they were like but they were like up and come some of them were up and comers like Guy Pierce and Russell Crowe or that's wild to think about or now. or or uh, or you know not as well respected like Kim Basinger wasn't like someone you thought of when you thought of Oscars yeah, or anything he got, like that. He got the most out of her, clearly. Uh, but and then, then Kevin Spacey. Spacey was at the beginning. Like, yeah, he was at the beginning yeah. of the rise. So yeah. he got all these car- all these actors um, to come together, and they all gave powerhouse performances. Absolutely. Like, they really did. And that's what w- one of the things that s- stuck out in that film, scene to scene, was just the performances of each of those three, yeah. three or four actors there. And let's and let's be honest. As four men watching that movie, there are some unbelievably badass scenes where, you're like, man, yeah. I wish I fucking did that. Like, that's like awesome. the yeah, things too. Yeah. Like, like when Bud White kicks the shit out of that guy that's beating on his wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. But like the like, but like the brilliance of Ed Exley in that scene where he's interrogating the two the two uh, oh. guys when he's going back and forth and he pins Very them smart. against each other. Oh my God. Like it is so brilliant. That was amazing. I love then, That's one of the best scenes in the film. I think yeah. he is um, just, I mean that, that was the moment where like he went from being this like sniveling little shit. Who's like dad got him where he knew, you know what I mean? Like he, he just like, he kind of had like, you know, he had royalty in front of him, even though his dad had been killed, you know, no one respected that guy until yeah. that moment. And then of course he blows those dudes away. And now everybody loves him. There's a um, whole room full of people and he's, yeah, he's like, let, let me show you what I can do. And he yeah, did, uh, three yeah. different suspects at one time. And he's going from room to room to room. And yeah. he's like, he's pulling the speaker so the other guys can hear what he's saying. And sometimes he's pulling on it off. Oh, he, it was it was so brilliant and like there's just so many badass scenes in that movie like you know like especially like when they rescue the girl in that house like before that part happens and and just the ending i love that the scene. Ending, right the final not the, the very final is, scene but the final oh yeah when they're shooting scene, when they're yeah. shooting through the floor at the end like oh that shit's awesome like there is just such a complete movie with such unbelievably acting and an unreal story it's just for me it's a it's a perfect movie and I think Exley's character arc, it made sense for him to shoot Cromwell. Uh, I mean, uh, Dudley Smith right there. Absolutely. At the yeah. end. You know, it, 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 was, it was the perfect... Well, and he told him, perfect right? Perfect end to his character arc, yeah. Dudley Smith told... Uh, is it Epsley or Exley? Exley. Exley. He told, us, he told uh, Exley near the beginning of the movie, he's like, do you have what it takes mm-hmm. to plant evidence when you know this is the bad guy? Do you have what it takes was... to beat a confession? Do you have what it yeah. takes to shoot a suspect in the back? 
and all that stuff and all that stuff happened yeah that's exactly what he did but all that stuff happened everything kind of came full circle based on that conversation he had with him it was just brilliant oh yeah there was there was there was nothing bad because remember like cromwell was like uh uh he was trying to be like you know put the guns down we're gonna get through this and then he just puts one through it. like yeah. that's exactly make, what he had preached make sure to you him, raise bro. your badge in the air so they know your cops boy yeah oh, it's such a poetic what a poetic ending to that oh. movie like i mean yeah. the way they just like that's what i talk about when i talk about a perfect movie the way they wrap everything up in a perfect bow at the end even though it's like an ugly bow in in in, in some ways yeah it's just this perfect wrap up to the movie and then, of course, it was a nice little, like, you get the little romance at the end where, you know, Bud White gives him a little wave. He's in the back of Kim Basinger's car. They're going to drive off into the sunset. Yeah. The same thing as the end of Touch of Evil. Uh, the couple drives off into the sunset. It's, it's a very similar thing. Right, which is, I think, there was an ode or an ode to classic noir. Absolutely. In, in, many, in many ways. Clearly. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it's just... so. What a brilliant way to really bring that genre home. And, and granted, this is a movie that came out over 20 years ago, but this is a movie you, we, we can all watch until we die. They yeah. and love yeah. it every time. I freaking love it. I, my I, oh, in my top so 10. Amazing. In my top I've got 10. A, a couple things that I wanted to say about uh, Bud White and just the uh, idea of film noir and LA Confidential. DP, were you trying to say something there? Uh, oh, sure. I, I was just going to say my like I had one uh, my one complaint about the movie is that they have Bud White survive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. all right. Like he should have died there. Yeah, yeah. No, and, you right. know, like I'm glad he survived, but in reality, they should have let him die in that he, hotel room. Yeah, he was such a tortured soul. It was almost to the point where like just put him out of his misery, and you know, it just it makes more sense. But I did, but I think they, like, like I was just saying, I think they saved it so they could have that fairy tale ending like most of those dark noir movies. I think to have that's the three. idea, right? Because an American film has a happy ending and it, we wanted to see that happen. I was rooting for it to happen. Um, even when yeah. White gets shot in the face at the end, yeah. um, it, yeah. had been, it had been so long since I watched the movie. So I didn't, I honestly didn't remember how it ended. Yeah, neither did I. I, re- I remember the shootout, but I didn't remember the final, final scene. So when even when Bud White got shot in the face, I was telling myself, he's fine. He'll be okay. He'll be okay. He'll pull through it. It's um, Bud White. Like I said, I, I watched it again today, and it's just – I tell you, I find more and more things that I love about that film. Really? Um, and, and to TW's point, it, it's Guy Pierce today that stuck out to me when I watched it again today. Just yeah. his performance was just powerhouse all yeah. the way through. And, and, and just sort of the evolution – that TW mentioned of his sure. character, I think it just speaks volumes to the actor. For the actor, he just yeah. the way he approached the role and the way he took it on, and and I just I loved him in the film, absolutely I, loved him. I've got um, a few things that I want to add to this. Um, one, the thing that stood out to me the most and it might just be kind of like what you were touching on Timmy as far as like the masculinity and the draw towards Bud White because he's such a a thug and a bruiser every time that you can tell that he's got like a twitch in his eye and he's about to hit somebody as the character in that movie you always know that he's gonna hit the guy and be okay you know what I mean it's not like real life where like if you hit somebody you might get your 
teeth kicked out and you're going to get brain damage. Like Bud White in that movie, you know he's always going to come out on top. So in that scene where he enters the house where the uh, Latina girl has been kidnapped and had been raped, and Bud White tells Dudley Smith, he's like, give me one minute. And he yeah. hops the fence and he runs in there. You're like, dude, Bud White's going to fucking kill that guy. <laughs> and sure enough, like he shoots a dude in the heart, uh, gets like a, uh, a throwaway gun, puts a round in the, in the door and plants yeah. the evidence. Um, he has, he he had, he had, and he had no qualms about doing that. I mean, Absolutely I think not. his no qualms about doing that it doesn't mean that he wasn't a good cop. I just think he saw sort of a, the, the big pic, the big picture of the situation. He was also yeah. in the emo- moment. He was also an emotionally damaged man. Like you For know, sure. he, he was the one who became a cop, so he could do that to people. And they they played that against him, right? Uh, w. Smith used Dan DeVito's character to play that against him. Got the pictures of Kim Basinger, yeah. Basinger, and uh, with Exley, Exley, <laughs> yeah. And so then Basinger, Basinger, you know, what I'm ba- talking about Basinger, the, the broad. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry, and Mr. Then, Griffin. I don't he, know how but, to say this. But he also <laughs> understood. He also understood Basinger? that particular scene that you know there was this guy. This guy was just going to continue doing shit like this. Might as well just kill him for sure. Yeah, <laughs> just get it over with. Get this guy out of the world. Just yeah. kill him and frame. You know, and but make it look like make it look like it was a shootout. That's and, a com- that's a comparison to Touch of Evil, though. That's exactly what Qu- Quinlan was doing. You know, like you just he knew he did it. Yeah, and he just yeah, he, and he went he went forward, and this because he knew well, and that's for the greater good. Dudley Smith was preaching to Exley, right? Right. That, do you have what it takes to plant evidence on someone that you know is guilty? Do you and have what it like, takes no. to beat the confession out of somebody? And he was like, no. Guilty? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then that's and he answered why, he answered no to all those questions. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then and he had to do all those things. He did, but that's why Dudley Smith liked and shaped uh, Bud Smith, Bud White so much because he did those things with Dudley Smith um, to a degree like he was the guy that would go to that uh, safe house and beat the shit out of people (laughs) whenever he needed them to he was the brute going back to that scene where Bud White told Dudley give me one minute and he goes in there and shoots the dude Dudley Smith knows exactly what he's going in there to do at the end you know as a viewer we find out that Dudley is this overall bad guy that is masterminding this whole thing that has been pushing out this uh gangster this drug pusher he stole his heroin he killed his lieutenants and his capos and he's moving in on his territory but uh bud smith kind of had uh different reasons for doing the things that he did and in the end he ends up siding as much as he hates actually they come together i like that scene a lot too when i think they're in uh is it pierce paxton's house is that his name when they find him Pierce Padgett, right? Pierce Padgett, and five bucks to anyone that can pronounce that actor's name. Oh, it's David uh, Statham. David Statham. Nope. Yeah, I don't know. I, I no, know Marky, nothing. I don't even know his name. Oh. David Strathairn or uh, Strathairn? You can't even do it. You can't. I know. That's why I'm saying right, five bucks to anyone who could. It's definitely not Statham. <laughs> that's we'll a fucking that dude bucks. from the. Those action movies, Jason Statham. Yeah, he's not related. Very but talented. in that scene, when they find Jason Strathorn's dead corpse, <laughs> and there's a point where uh, Bud White's running out the Strathorn? door. Strathorn? That's it. Yeah. 
and he's running out the door and actually throws the keys at him and it's just like it's very quick but it's that moment where like oh they're working together they're a, a fucking team yeah yeah and ever so, ever since that they start just going at it 100%. oh yeah and, they, they and, hang and that from, guy off the balcony of his office yeah. Remember? oh my god yeah, that, the that's my favorite scene in that movie because he had killed that guy he killed the kid in, in that motel room yeah and he, yeah and he says hey yeah they just won't show up in a fucking bus remember they's yeah. hanging him over oh that scene's that amazing. fucking line so, of so, is so, that how you do bad cop yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. that was such an awesome line so so Ooh. from the time that so from the time that they kind of like they have it out, and Russell uh, Bud White kicks the shit out of him, and is in the uh, in the in the police station there. He's throwing Guy Pierce all over yeah, the place. Yeah, like Matrix shit. He throws him like twenty feet at one point. From that point on, the 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 film does such a great job of unraveling the layers of the corruption and the mystery, yeah, um, and, and how it all was going down. And I just. I love how it played out from that. Yeah, once and they do a good job of like making you guess a little bit, but but still like giving you a little bit of information as you go along. And I just think it did such a brilliant job of uh, of um, of maintaining the intrigue while while um, while still unraveling it as you yeah. as you went along. I just love that. I love I love that that aspect of the film and how it was written. And I, and I just and I, and I just hated that Kevin Spacey got killed with like like thirty five minutes left in the film. <laughs> he was but, so good, but his was, character was, so was his character was great. I loved it was, his it character. Was very, it was very poetic though, too, right? Hollywood Jack, he'd been living off the teat for so long, yeah. and yep. like at the yep. end of his career, he starts to actually do some good. Wants to actually be a cop. His last, yeah. his finally, last right? breath. The la- his last breath is what breaks the entire. Yes, oh, the whole oh. thing, and as, that was badass. Yeah, his oh, last breath is saying Rolo Tomasi to uh, uh, Captain Smith Dudley Smith, and then Dudley Smith repeats it to uh, Exley, and Exley yeah. had only said that to Hollywood Jack, that and then right there the, the light oh, bulb just goes yeah. off, Bing! like this crooked motherfucker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey guys, yeah. can right. I? Can I uh, Which AJ. was perfect. Perfect. AJ, I'll, I just want to say one more thing for just a quick discussion, and then I'm, I'm done with it. Uh, I love oh – God, what an amazing movie. But being the resident historian of Oscar atrocities, <laughs> uh, DP brought it up, the Tata- Titanic. I think that's how it's pronounced, Titanic. Yep. Yes, uh-huh. Titanic. Yeah. The, the, the boat that crashed into the iceberg, right? Right. So that one best picture, but if you – so that, you know, obviously was a nominee. Then you got uh, As Good As It Gets, which I love. The Full Monty. I love it, too. Full Monty, which I love also. Yeah, uh, me, too. Goodwill Hunting, come on. I love Goodwill Hunting. I don't give a great, fuck. Great, great, a bunch great, of year, great year for nerds. films. No, come on, that's still a great movie, Marky. And then great, L.A. Great Confidential. Is there any argument there? If you t- and then L.A. Confidential is the fifth. Is there any argument there that that is the best movie of the year? Out of all those? L.A. Confidential should have been Best Picture, no? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not I even close. I agree. It's not agree. even close. Right? Right? Am I right? Yeah. Like, like I love as good as it gets. I mean, and, and Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt won one but acting it's award not, for it's that not, movie. It's right. That, that's an acting award. They deserve award. them. Right. That's an acting award film. It's not a best picture film. Yeah. Full Monty I love too, but it's like, it, it's all right. You know, that LA Confidential was the best movie of that year. And DP's yeah. right. It's not even fucking close. Like well, that movie this, right? is the best picture of the fucking year. 
And I'm sorry, if we're just going by what the best goddamn movies are and not what made the most money or what most, you know, we have the most powerful studio or how many dicks you can suck or like whatever they do to win these awards. I can do a lot. No, I know. So if you were on the LA Confidential crew, they probably would have fucking won. Hell yeah. But like, I'm just saying for me, that was the best movie of the year. And I don't think it's that close. I agree. And and, yeah. and and it's and I love that we were able to spotlight it tonight, so we can get the credit that it deserves because it's such an amazing movie. Yeah. Um, I also agreed. Yeah, agreed one hundred percent on my side as well. We can do a one out of five uh, here in a second if we want. But also, yeah. AJ, not to hijack your uh, topic of the week, cool. I thought this would be a good time to segue into what aspects that LA Confidential had touched on them a little bit as far as uh, a film noir net retro noir rather if you will and what it had and then what other movies would fall into that category I, I don't mean to hijack it AJ but uh, no that's okay I'll go ahead and tell you uh, one out of five LA Confidential I love a good shootout I'm going to give it a 4.25 Jen okay. Oh me! All right, uh, dude, I really love this movie. I the first I saw it in 1997 and actually hadn't watched it since. Wow, so that's awesome! I watched it again last night. For that's the first awesome. Time. Did it hold up, dude? I adore this movie. This movie's fucking. I can't wait to watch it again. I loved it. Um, is this? I think. Uh, jumps right up into my top 10 as well i give it a four and a half nice yeah i forgot like i remember loving it you know i was 22 years old i was an idiot in 1997 but i loved it but i never really watched it since until last night and holy shit what an amazing film amazing film agreed tw so um you guys know that there are only three movies that hit five stars for me. Um, Guard State being one of them. Uh, I knew that was coming. Go, go yes. fuck yourself, you cunt. Boom. But, um, you left it open. It's too much of a pause. I know, hold on, I know. hold on, hold on. It wasn't even yeah, much see, of a pause. Hold, hold on. I'm going yeah, to get in there. <laughs> uh, but any other movie that pops into my top 10 gets a 4.75. And LA Confidential is in my top 10. So that's a 4.75 for me. It's, it's right there. It's right there outside my top, my top three. Uh, and there, there may be even days where I'm, if I'm really thinking about things, maybe it even gets in there. But for right now, it's a 4.75. It's about as perfect a movie you can ever see. Okay. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rate it what I rated it on uh, Voodoo when I watched it on Voodoo today. Oh, you got right. Voodoo. Yeah. yeah. Great, I, great, oh, me right? too. I watched this on Voodoo. So, great so, app. Yeah. Four, four point five. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's just a wonderful film. I just, it's such a great example, and we can talk about this in a minute, Marky, of retro noir. Like, it's just a perfect example. Powerhouse performances, intricate plot. Love the cinematography, uh, the light. Like, I love all of it. I love how yeah. it was written. I love how the. Um, how the plot was layered. I love Guy Pierce's performance in it. And I'll tell you, 4.5, solid nice. 4.5. Good to hear. All right, guys. So um, we've wrapped up our conversation about Touch of Evil and LA Confidential. Now I want to get 
the panel's thoughts on film noir. And I want to start with Marky. Nice. Okay. So uh, obviously Touch of Evil kind of watching that taught me more about what film noir is. And then watching LA Confidential, I was noticing aspects of that movie that pulled from that genre. And I also did a little bit of research into what that genre meant. And uh, I, I used that, uh, that Amazon Prime uh, obscure show that Danny had shared with us called, uh, what was it, Filmmaker IQ? Yeah, yes, Filmmaker IQ. And that was, that was pretty interesting. And uh, one thing that they touched on, which, it, you know, so the, the, the film noir thing, a lot of overlapping aspects are the lighting, the music, the tone, and the, um, I guess, so, sometimes will be the, uh, the characters. In my mind, I always thought it was just like a private eye detective and like a seedy underbelly part of town. But when you talk about like music and lighting, that can be so many fucking movies. But in LA Confidential, it was a very sunny movie. It wasn't until like, if I remember right, the shootout at the end of the movie that had that stark lighting kind of classic film noir feel to it. And then the music for sure was that almost like saxophone, slow, weird kind of uh, melody, melodramatic that makes you feel like it's just a cop drama. But when thinking about other movies that could be film noir, retro noir, neo noir, Sam, my wife brought this up to me and it really stood out. And, and I don't know why I didn't think about this before, but the movie Sin City is almost oh, like yeah. an over, is, is almost like a, a beating into the ground. It's like an homage. Film noir. Yeah, it's yeah, an homage through to and film noir through. for sure. And but I think that particular comic was an homage to film noir. Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And again, for me, like, I don't know if this is a typical uh, characteristic of what film noir is, but when I think of the genre, I think of conspiracy and uh, intricate storylines. LA Confidential was so fucking intricate, so many different intertwining storylines and people that you know is it, it had that in spades but touch of evil was also that but on a much smaller simpler scale right with uh orson wells character was essentially the only one that was the conspiratory conspiratorial character here i am making up words again at the end of the podcast oh, but, that's a word that's a word no okay, conspiratorial is the word yeah it's a good one so and sin city though like uh mickey vork's character um it's it's, it's rife with conspiracy like he thought he was crazy the whole time that movie was just that heavy saxophone obviously that movie's primarily black and white Mm -hmm. it's you know over the top cop drama as well (laughs) um but so the more i think about what makes a film noir the more i can see it and movies that i never would have thought about it before and i think moving forward i'm gonna 
start noticing it more and more now. It's it's really interesting. I didn't give it a whole lot of thought to be honest before tonight. Nice uh, this week. AJ, can I piggyback off that for my final thought? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Because go to Tim for in. his final thought. Yeah, go, <laughs> jump in. Jump in, TW. Based on what Mark you just said, like, uh, I thought like when you said you were, we were going to do noir, I was like, I, I I don't know what the hell like, but. I really thank you for, for bringing this topic forward because there are so many movies that fall into this realm that are like some of my favorite fucking movies in the world like that I didn't even realize like shit like Primal Fear is neo-noir. Bound is 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 neo-noir. All Bound. The, all the, yeah. Bound. Bound's amazing. Like if like all the all the Nolan Batman movies are fucking noir. Seven yeah. is noir. Knives Out is noir. Like so many memento. Like, so, memento like so many of like my my favorite movies all right so, uh, so you brought up a simple plan earlier that movie's fucking awesome a simple plan simple Cheers. plan is so fucking shutter island shutter island oh these yeah are fucking noir like i i didn't even know but these yeah. are movies that i fucking love and now i can kind of categorize them into, into that now and and uh if we're just talking about these two movies that we we did this week you you know my feelings on uh on la confidential obviously but um you know it was a really interesting um, connection between those two. As much as there were some things in Touch of Evil that really pissed me off and, and were annoying, it, the parallels between the two movies, even though I like one way more than the other, the parallels are uncanny. And yes. uh, I, I just, I, I really enjoyed the topic this week. And not just because of the two movies that I got to watch, but all the research I did with, with, with all of it. Like I, I love studying that shit. And uh, yeah, it's kind of my knowledge yeah, on it for sure. Yeah. Like it, it opened my eyes to a lot of things that I didn't even know about movies. So uh, I really enjoyed this week. I thought it was great. Damn. So here's again, like uh, Tim was saying, I, I knew film noir referred to like those old school kind of detective hard-boiled <laughs> dramas, you know? Like yeah. The, and so when I looked into it and really got the idea of what is film noir, I realized something too. Like the whole idea of the anti-hero kind of started with film noir and that the idea of the compromised protagonist. Yeah. And that idea has truly shaped some of the greatest television shows we've seen in the past, you know, 20, 30 years. When you look at shows like uh, The Sopranos, The Shield, Breaking Bad, all these shows that are considered like some of the greats are all kind of based on that anti-hero compromise protagonist theme. And it's, you know, it, like it's permeated through ju- not just these films, but some well, of my started. absolute favorite TV yeah. shows are all kind of thanks to film noir. So, again, like, thank you for making it so I looked into this. I, I yeah didn't know much about it. And now that I've looked into it, I thoroughly appreciate it. I think that's so amazing. I, I think... Uh, film noir is is such a complicated category, right? Mm-hmm. But it's such a great and people are still using it, like 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 Dan said, uh, to make great TV shows and to make great movies like The Dark Knight and oh, and, yeah. and, and Memento and, the, and and movies that play off those themes. And I just love me 
uh, old hard-boiled film noir. I just, yeah. I just dig it. I just think it's so cool. And to be able to take the two films that we watched and kind of uh, play off, like talk about how the themes play off each other and, and to compare them to each other, I think it was a lot of fun. And LA Confidential, to Tim's point, like there are so many parallels to Touch of Evil. Mm-hmm. And to other classic noir, I think that what's the director's name again for Lily Confidential? Hanson, Curtis Hanson. Curtis Hanson. I think that was sort of an homage. Like he was intentionally doing a sure. classic noir homage, intentionally, uh, with some edits to it, of course, and some updates and some sort of contemporary flair to it. But it still played off like classic noir, and I. I think that's what made it great. Yeah. I really do. I think that's one of the things about that film that made it sensational and made it deserving of all the the award nominations it got. It should have been more. It should have been yes. more. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What a it's, joke. It's, but the, the film noir, sorry, AJ, uh, cut you off. No, no, no. no. I, that's good. I, I feel like it's such a, for whatever reason, it a story like what comes out of a film noir resonates for whatever reason. I don't know if it's like more male oriented. I mean, we are a panel of four dudes, but you know, (laughs) it, for whatever reason it resonates with us, right? It's something about like this, figuring out like this problem solving, this hard, uh, often violent, uh, problem that you have to dig through. There's the broad that's there. Um, always it's, hot. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, I don't she know. She can always maybe, get it. Maybe oh. it's just elements that just Gently. hit a trigger in our caveman brain. But for whatever reason, it's, it's such a topic that I, I feel like we all love and is timeless in our day and age. Absolutely. Well, thank you everyone for. Um, watching those two films and for giving us given given the group your in your in your input on it i think um it's such an interesting category so yes thank you yeah AJ, thank you aj that was great yeah i know that was really good that was a great topic not that i was skeptical uh but i was more like oh man are we gonna be able to fill you know an hour for this yeah <laughs> Yeah, Jesus Christ, we could go for like six. So we're we're, we're trying to be nice here and and uh, try to cut it and 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 be good about it. But uh, yeah, what a great topic! I, I had a lot of fun with this this week and uh, super fun. Yeah, so uh, we're we're gonna, we're gonna call it a night. Uh, this was great, DP, bro. Yes, sir. We're kick we're kicking it to you next week. I know you you're not quite sure yet. That's yeah, okay. I'm a little up in the air, but I'll decide. That's fine. You take your time. You take your time. Hours, so. yeah, you figure it out. Um, Are we going to find out the winner of the trivia next week? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Right. That, well, that's next, week. next week. Right? Yeah. I did. I, I have the numbers, but I can't find the conversion chart right now mm-hmm. for okay. the <laughs> bonus points. So, so work, work uh, on by that. next week, I should find the conversion yeah, work chart. Work on that, Ooh, and we will. But, we you know will the winner. Out. We will let our adoring audience know who, who did win that. Uh, so uh, uh, great, great stuff this week. DP, it's on you next week. Again, thanks to AJ. This was really, really awesome this week. I, I, I love this. And uh, so uh, we, we're going to call it. We call it a night. Is that it? 
I, th- I think that wraps it up, boys. Yeah. Uh, last thing before we wrap it up, uh, one more time, hit us up on uh, Facebook, Instagram, at Movie Council Pod. Uh, send us an email if you get some suggestions for movies we should watch and review. Twitter, uh, too, right? Yeah. Did I say, is that what I said? I don't know. I think you said Facebook and Oh, Instagram. Facebook. All right. Uh, Twitter. <laughs> Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> at Movie yeah. Council Pod or email moviecouncilpod at gmail.com. Yeah. Give us some idea. If you if guys, if you're listening, you're like, oh, I love this movie. I wish they would talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let us know. We'll love to yes. talk about it. Yes. You know, or if you ever want to come on, you ever want a special guest, we yeah. would consider it. We would absolutely consider it. Fine, but, I'll uh, send you the Zoom invite. Do <laughs> yeah, it, it, baby. Why, why not? Why not? Uh, really inject some injects a little change into this. Yeah, these, these yeah, we could, probably, we could probably use some female voices. I was gonna say too. a little, a little, little bit, of, a little overly testosterone here. Like, yeah, that's, that's yeah. Right. But, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, DP, thank you for anybody listening. Uh, thank you so much. We this is why we do it every week, and uh, we know we're starting to. We're actually, I know we joke about the millions and shit like that, but. I know there are some people that are starting to listen and it's really exciting for us. And we really enjoy doing it. And uh, it's really a, a really fun time we have together and uh, really, you know, on a, on a, on a personal note brings us together as a family, which we, which we really, really love, especially during these fucking brutal times right now. So uh, this was, uh, this was really great tonight. DP it's on you next week. I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, anybody listening tonight again, thank you so much for listening. We're going to call it a night and we will, uh, we will see you in a week. Thank you so much. Good night. Bye mom. The movie council is adjourned.